0: To get started, just fill out a brief questionnaire that matches you up with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Take a moment. Visit BetterHelp.com slash FilmDaily today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash FilmDaily.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Thursday, March 14th, 2019. On today's episode, we're going to talk about the latest film and TV news. This is Slash Film Editor-in-Chief Peter Soretta. And joining me today is slash home weekend editor Brad Oman. Hey, that's me. And writers Y Trend Bowie.
2: Hey, everyone.
1: And Chris Evangelista. Hello, folks. Okay, at the beginning of the last, uh, yesterday's podcast, I mentioned that Twitter was getting rid of the likes and retweet numbers. Apparently, like everything online, it, it we were freaking out over nothing. And they're just like hiding it under like a you know, you pushing you expanding like a little bit of uh the the tweet. So uh d- don't worry guys. Those numbers are still gonna be there. And, and Chris, oh. you could still people could still see how popular your retweets are.
3: Yeah, but that's like an extra step. Who wants to take that step? I want it to just be there, like a banner, like I'm wearing a sash that says
2: Chris most popular.
3: popular. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't want it to I don't want people to have to go through the effort.
1: Yeah. You know, I, I actually wish there was a way that I could see like what the most retweeted or liked things on my timeline were, because then I could see what's important.
3: <laughs> isn't there a way? I guess there isn't. Yeah, I don't know. Think
1: there is. Um, yeah, I, the I,
2: algorithm doesn't do predict specifically that it just shows what you might be interested in, which is not particularly like the most liked or retweeted things.
1: Okay, Look, guys, we got to get into the news. We got to talk about movies. <laughs> um, let's talk about Pet Cemetery. Which, Chris, you're going to see, when, this weekend?
3: Uh, Yes, Saturday night. I am flying to Austin tomorrow, and Saturday night I will be seeing it at South by Southwest.
1: But Unfortunately, Chris, you're not going to be
3: seeing it in 4DX. I know. I'm. Uh, <laughs> this news broke, and I was a little like, "I'm like, maybe I'll cancel my trip and go see it in 40x instead, because uh, Paramount is now screening, not now, but eventually, sometime this year, is planning to screen Pet Cemetery in 40x. 40x is, of course, the ultra immersive cinema experience where the chairs shake and they shoot water at you and. Fog comes out, and there are scents. It's 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 three D plus smell o vision yeah. plus I don't even know. It's it's a whole thing.
1: It's it's actually even more than that. There's like things like like things that can poke you in the back. There's things that can like touch the back of your legs. So when I when I I actually have done a. Am I the only one here who has seen a movie in forty X? I'm assuming. I
3: think yeah, so. I've yeah. never done it.
1: Yeah, uh, I would not recommend it. But I, I have seen San. Uh, what, what was that? The, the rock movie, San, um,
2: San Andreas, yeah.
1: And I saw one of the Michael Bay Transformers movies in forty eight Oh, that
2: sounds like a nightmare.
1: Yeah, they were both nightmares. But there was a point where they were on Cybertron, and there was, like, these little snake, like, robot things going around. And, like, then they would, like, go by your legs, and you'd feel it, and, like, it would touch you on the back. And, like, I, I was thinking when I was watching that film then, I was like – how great would this be for a horror movie. But sadly, usually horror movies aren't big enough to be played in like this 40X format. But I I think this could actually be a lot of fun.
3: Yeah, I don't actually disagree. Um, you know, in general, the 40X experience sounds like a nightmare for someone like me because I'm very uh, hypersensitive <laughs> to, you know, just anything or anyone just touching me or loud noises. Like I don't really like that. But I'm so excited for pet cemetery that i kind of uh wish i had a 40x theater near me i don't have one near me so i think the closest one to me is new york so if if the if the owners of 40x are listening feel free to send me a free ticket to the 40x screening in new york and maybe i'll I'll take the train to see it
1: they offered you a 40x screening for something last year right like i forget what it was, was
3: I think it was skyscraper. It was something that was not worth driving to New York for, but I would do it for this. So I'm, I'm just putting it out there.
1: I got to hear, HT, would you be interested in seeing a horror movie in 4DX?
2: Mm, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like my nightmare. Um, I'm very just a skittish person, so it probably would be much like more intense for me. I mean, I'm interested in seeing a 4DX movie at some point, but a horror movie might be like the too far into the deep end for me i want to like you know start off a little bit easier
1: (laughs) brad how about you
4: i mean (laughs) i don't know
1: (laughs) (laughs) you just have no interest in the format whatsoever
4: yeah just like i've been on theme park rides that seem like that that's what this is and like I, i don't know i feel like i only want to be physically stimulated so much when i'm watching a movie and I already don't really like 3D that much, and this feels just like a sensory overload to me. So, I mean, I don't know. Maybe maybe I might enjoy it. I think it probably just depends on the movie and how extensive it is and how invasive it is upon all of my senses. But I, I would fully support them releasing a whole bunch of mangy
1: cats into a Pet cemetery screening. <laughs> I, I will give you a bit of advice. If you ever end up doing a 4DX screening... Go see a movie that's, like, 90 minutes, not a movie that's, like, two hours and 45 minutes, like the first 40X movie I saw, which is one of those Transformers films. Uh, But uh, I don't know. The, The thing for me about this is if it was used subtly and used, like, you know, in moderation, I think it could be cool. But the problem with 40X is that people pay, like. I think it might even be, like, 40 bucks a ticket or so, something insane. Like, it is a really expensive ticket to see a movie in 40X. So then the way the people that program these 40X, like, experiences, they're like, we need to give them their money's worth. So every single scene has something. Do you know what I mean? Like, so there's, like, you know, if it starts raining, there's, you know, water on you. Like, you know, if you're driving, the, the, the thing's moving. It's not like, you know, it's used it's almost used too much – so much that you it loses its effectiveness, if that makes sense. Um, so I hope
3: uh, – like yeah, hope- I can't even I, – I don't even know, like, what they were going to – they're going to do for this particular move. I mean, like, I can imagine, like – because there's, like, fog in the pet cemeteries with a, a little pump-out fog. But beyond that, I can't really think of what it's going to be. So it's just very – sh-
2: live cats at the audience.
3: <laughs> I, I hope not. That would be alarming. <laughs>
1: Well, there, there's also, like, lighting effects. It looks like – you can make it look like there's, like, lightning going on in the cinema. There's fans. So, like, I'm guessing if there's, like, some kind of windy scene, you could feel the cats going by your your, your legs. Um, I'm trying to think what else – what other effects they do. They also have the uh, – they can do scents. So maybe if the cat's poop or something, you could you could smell the poop. Well, you know, there's
3: a lot of like there's a lot of like things that come back from the dead. So maybe it's just like foul grave smells, just being. <laughs> this, this sounds terrible. Yes, yeah. I don't know who would enjoy this. Like, oh, it smells oh. like a a corpse in here.
4: You know how you love movies? How about shit? <laughs> <laughs>
3: you, you know, in the Transformers
1: movie that I saw, like there was someone that got like burned to death in the movie. I think. It was oh, like... I thought you
3: meant in the audience. I was like, yeah. "Oh my god!"
1: <laughs> no, no, no. I think like like T.J. <laughs> Miller me or someone.
4: Yeah, T.J. Miller got yeah got scorched entirely. Yeah.
1: So they chose to use the smell effect on that. So like the smell Ooh. that we got <laughs> was scorched human being. <laughs>
2: god, mm, barbecue That's dark.
1: Yeah. Okay. Let's move on. Let's talk about one day at a time. This is a popular Netflix. TV series, but apparently not popular enough. It's getting canceled. HD, what do we know?
2: You, remember, you may remember last year when Brooklyn Nine-Nine got canceled. Celebrities like Lin-Manuel Miranda rallied around the show and basically saved it from uh, cancellation. Turns out Lin-Manuel Miranda is not all powerful, and he and the passionate fan base for One Day at a Time could not save this show. Uh, So One Day at a Time was canceled by Netflix after three seasons. It's a modern-day revamp of the show from the 1970s and was uh, a, a critically acclaimed show that was praised for its diversity and its stellar writing. But um it seems that it's incredibly passionate fan base could not save it like you said. Um and uh it was canceled. But it may be picked up by another uh network or company.
1: That is so weird. I feel like Netflix used to be the company that would be the one doing all the saving of shows that were pulling in the ratings, but now the the uh you know, the door has turned. Uh it's uh like now, you know will Disney save the Marvel cinema, uh, Marvel uh, Netflix shows? Who's going to save this? Um, I'm just wondering, like, if someone's going to save one day at a time, will they get the entire catalog of those mm-hmm. other seasons? Or, like, I, I feel like if I was Netflix, I would want to keep on to that because th- their whole point was to build up, you know, co- like, a lot of content that people will not want to leave their service because they're – just keep on binging, you know, keep on going.
2: That's a good question. I don't know because I remember American Vandal, when it was canceled, was looking for a new home too, but that was outsourced. It was not from, it was a Netflix original, but not made by, yeah. uh, made, made with the Netflix. It was another studio that made it. So it would make sense for all of that series to go to another home, but it never actually got picked up. Um. So we never really see what, what would happen in that case. Um. One day at a time, I think, was a holy Netflix Uh. Production, so I don't really know.
1: I do wonder if if Marvel, if Disney decides to save those Marvel Netflix series, you know, like in two years they can make more. And if they actually decided to make more with those actors, would they pay Netflix to get those prior seasons over onto Hulu or something? Or 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 are we just like past that? Do we do we just think that they're just going to create new versions of these characters?
2: I think they're just gonna remake it. Yeah. Sure. As as good as uh, Charlie Cox and everyone is, it's probably just gonna be rebooted again.
1: Yeah. Okay. Let's move on to Directv. Uh, they have a service called Now, which is for cord cutters. It's uh, streaming. It's a way to stream uh, their you know cable offerings. Uh, they have announced that they are kind of raising prices and losing channels. Actually, uh, you know, some of my friends have this, and the only reason they had Directv was to have these Viacom ch- channels, and they're going to be losing those Viacom channels and raising the prices higher than the other places. So, uh, what do we know about this, Brad?
4: Yeah. So, uh, like you said, Directv Now is one of the uh, many options out there that you have if you want to cut your cord with their cable subscription but still want access to live television that you just stream instead of paying for, you know, the the coaxial cable that comes out of your wall. And one of the better options up until recently was DirecTV Now. They had uh, pretty reasonably priced packages. They provided a lot of channels. Um, Even when they raised their prices by $5 across the spectrum last year, it was still a really good deal. Um, But for um, whatever reason... Basic, uh, seemingly because the the subscription plans they had in place before were could, could not be sustained by that price point and still be profitable for the company, uh, they've completely revamped their entire package offering. So now there are only two subscription tiers that you can order. There's the Plus package for fifty dollars, the Max package for seventy dollars, but they don't offer nearly as many channels as the packages before because, like you said, they got rid of a bunch of the Viacom channels that they used to have access to. Um, So we're talking about channels like uh, MTV, Nickelodeon, VH1, Comedy Central. Those channels are all going away. AMC, BET, History, uh, TLC are all other channels that used to be part of DirecTV Now Service but are now all gone no matter which of the packages you get. Um, So the only, I guess, upside of this is now if you subscribe to DirecTV Now, um, the plus package for $50 includes HBO, and the max package for $70 includes HBO and Cinemax. So you don't have to pay a separate subscription for that. Um, Another bit of somewhat good news is that if you're already a subscriber to DirecTV Now, you can hold on to your current subscription package, and you won't lose any of the channels that you already have access to. However, all of those old subscriptions will, will go up by $10 starting on April 12th. And on top of that, if you also pay for HBO for the extra $5 that it used to cost for that package, that price is going to go up to $15. So now you're going to end up paying basically an extra $20 <clears throat> for whatever previous package you had al- along with HBO. Um, that kind of sucks, especially because uh, back when... AT&T made their acquisition of Time Warner, they actually made a case for the fact that they weren't really going to uh, raise prices uh, for consumers and that prices would actually be reduced. But this seems to be the exact opposite of that promise. So never trust a corporation, I suppose. Um, but yeah, so that's that, that's pretty sucky. And this honestly makes DirecTV now one of the worst options on the table. Although, to be fair, um, every single... Uh, TV streaming service like this except sling has gotten rid of the Viacom channels apparently there's some kind of um, Thing that makes it too expensive for them to keep the Viacom channels I don't know if Viacom is just particularly dickish about how much it costs
1: to have the channels included on their packages or what? But that's uh, that's how it's going. It's really annoying. I'm curious like what do you guys do Brad? What do you like? How do you watch TV?
4: I still pay for cable. Um, I I have Xfinity, and it is a little bit on the pricier side, but I'm the kind of person who I like having uh, a DVR so that I can can record uh, shows and go back to them whenever I want to. There are some shows that I watch that aren't necessarily immediately available on a streaming service like Netflix or even Hulu. Um, You do realize
1: services like DirecTV Now and PlayStation View have DVRs, right?
4: I, I do realize that, but they also don't allow you the ability to record every show. So there are some yeah. shows that, that don't get recorded like right away when they do. And I just, I just like the convenience of the DVR on cable, especially when it comes to stuff like live programming and things like that, which doesn't always work, work out well. Um, so so yeah, I, I still pay for cable. It, it's worth it to me for me only because my options out here in the Midwest aren't super plentiful. And even if I were to cancel cable, the amount that I would pay for internet by itself ends up being a little bit – like a little – closer to the total cost of what I pay now for internet and cable Yeah, where it's, it's just worth it for me to pay for both.
1: Yeah, I have PlayStation View and I've tried like all the services. I've tried TV. now. I've tried uh, YouTube TV or whatever it is Um and PlayStation View seems to be the best one for me, but that's still missing all those Viacom channels that you mentioned, and even some channels that I liked, like A and E and stuff like that. Um, Chris, what do you use?
3: Uh, my wife and I—we have cable, we have Verizon, but we never watch it. We do—we watch pretty much everything through, yeah. like Hulu at this point, because um, we don't really watch a lot of like like normal TV shows. And I would love to just get rid of cable entirely and only have internet, but I don't know how this works, but they have this like scam set up where every time you call and say, hello, I'd like to just cancel cable and keep Internet. They say, well, to do that, your pr- your bill will go up. If you only have cable, you need to have both to have a lower bill. And we always say, yeah, all right, yeah. never mind. We'll keep cable and never watch it.
1: Yeah, I think I'm paying 10 or 20 dollars more a month for my Internet because I don't have like a cable service through my cable provider. Uh, HD. You're like completely cut the cord, right?
2: Yeah, I've completely cut the cord at this point. Uh, my apartment building—it's more expensive to have cable rather than the the opposite, so we just decided to not get it. And uh, I've just watched everything on streaming services now.
1: Yeah, I think that's what most people are doing. I, I just don't understand like the promise of these streaming services and cutting cutting the cord was all about me being able to subscribe to the channels I wanted and get like a la carte programming. And not be, you know, lumped into these big package deals. And now, like, you know, DirecTV is now going down to only two packages. So, like, the options are becoming even more limited, which is just, to me, like, sad. Hopefully, I'm wondering, you know, whatever Apple has up their sleeve. I'm hoping it it gives the consumer more options. But we'll have to see. Um Let's move on to a story that we wanted to get to yesterday, but we couldn't because we had that big uh, Marvel news that hit. And that is Stephen King's The Talisman movie might actually finally happen. Chris, what do we know?
3: Uh, Yeah, this this film has been a long time coming. Um, Steven Spielberg snapped up the rights to this book. It it was a a book written by both Stephen King and um, British horror author Peter Straub. Um, uh, Spielberg bought the rights of this two years before it even came out. It even hit bookshelves. So that's how excited he was about making this a movie. And he spent years trying to get it made and he just couldn't crack it. Uh, at one point, it was going to become uh, like a, a TNT miniseries, and then that didn't happen. And that, and at another point, Frank Marshall was going to direct it as a, a movie, and that didn't happen. And now, apparently, it really is finally happening. Um, Amblin is is still producing, and uh, Mike Barker, who is a director on The Handmaid's Tale, is going to direct the film. Um, I'm not really familiar with his work, so I can't get too excited about that. But uh, you know, like I said, this this film has been in development. One stage of development on and off for, you know, the last uh, several decades. Yeah. So the fact that it's finally happening is, is kind of interesting. What is the talisman about? It's a very, um. it's not really your typical Stephen King-ish story. It, it, it's um. It's really complicated and weird. But it, it boils down to basically there's this boy and his mother is dying. And the boy ends up in this alternate dimension where they're, um, like,
1: by the way, so far this sounds like the Dark Tower movie that I saw. Well, it,
3: it's – it's like all Stephen <laughs> King things, it is actually tied into the Dark Tower. But uh, th- this boy ends up in another dimension, and in this other dimension there are um, – I don't want to call them clones, but there's like alternate versions of us there. They're called twinners, and it's just this very strange, trippy sort of um, – it's like a road trip story, but the road trip is through this alternate dimension.
1: Yeah. Well, this has been in the works for so long that I'll believe it when I see it. When they actually yeah. you know announced on a release date. Um let's uh let's move into Rotten Tomatoes. We've been talking a lot lately about how toxic fanboys have been gaming the the fan rating on Rotten Tomatoes, and Rotten Tomatoes has been doing a really poor job at responding to this and and uh, you know, setting up barriers of entry to prevent this from happening. But it sounds like they might have a plan. H D, what do we know?
2: Yeah, last month, uh, Rotten Tomatoes dramatically revamped its audience scoring system to uh, sort of try to prevent online trolls from uh, skewing the audience scores for for films that hadn't come out yet. So the um, the thing, the obstacle that is in place right now is that uh, no posts, no user post can be made before the film is released in theaters. Um, and now. a According to the Hollywood Reporter, additional measures are being considered to tighten those guidelines and uh, combat trolls further. So these um, additional measures would amount to um, a sort of two step process in which um, the uh, the the user would have to verify that they had seen the film in question before they posted a critique.
1: Hmm. I Like how would you even monitor this though? Like how does that how would that work?
2: Well, it's possible because Rotten Tomatoes is owned by Fandango that they could um, strike some sort of deal with this. Fandango is a ticket buying service, and um, it's possible if users buy a ticket through Fandango, that could be considered the verification for them to then post to Rotten Tomatoes um, what they think about that movie. And this is uh, intended to basically um, distinguish between the actual troll troll posts and people who are uh, genuinely have a negative opinion of the movie.
1: See this would be good but like it would also prevent someone like me who uses AMCA list to mm-hmm. see movies or goes and sees the press screening but I guess I guess I fall into the critic meter Anyway, Yeah you don't
2: need to be in the audience review Peter I
1: yeah, I did I mean we did mention in our Slack channel there's a you know film festival going on right now Jacob's at South by Southwest and I used to actually look at the Rotten Tomatoes uh the the audience rating during film festivals just to get a gauge of what like the buzzes uh like from non-critics on movies and because they put this uh, the other thing into place that you mentioned that like no one can rate a movie or the rating for the movie doesn't show up until the day of release mm-hmm. now you can't do that with film festivals which is i mean i'm not i i know that's like such a minor thing and so few people are doing that so that's not a big problem here but i just wonder like Brad, do you think there's a way they can actually, like, verify everybody that's seen a movie? Like, if I buy a ticket, am I going to, like, take a photo? Like, how is it going to work?
4: Yeah, I mean, there there has to be a way kind of similar to way, the way, like, I guess Facebook works or the way, like, comments comment section on the internet work is where I think you should have to link it to, like, an account that actually has to uh, verify your identity. So that way when you're saying something online, it's linked to you and it's you saying it, not some you know, stupid avatar, uh, that could be anybody saying something. Um, so I, I don't know. I'm, I'm to the point where I just like, I just wish people would, uh, just stop (laughs) because I'm, I'm so sick of this nonsense. Like just, just grow up and, you know, stop being terrible trolls and people. Like what, what are you accomplishing by this? I know.
2: Why are they dedicating all this time to review bombing a movie that, doesn't even um, get impacted by their troll attack.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, they would like to point to movies that seem to have been affected and not the ones that actually, like, you know, Captain Marvel obviously had that troll bomb and that did not affect that box office at all. Um, I I do wonder, like, do you think these people are so crazy, these toxic fanboys are so crazy that they would actually buy a ticket to the movie so that they can write their you know one out of 10 vote on the service. Oh,
4: absolutely. If anything just because they're just they're just stupid enough to do something like that. We're talking about a group of people where some of them were saying you should go support Alita Battle Angel instead of seeing Captain Captain Marvel because oh that that'll show them. Go give money <laughs> to the studio that's being bought by Disney, you fucking morons. <laughs>
1: Let's talk about a story that hit yesterday, or we've been following for a while. There's this Michael Jackson documentary on HBO that is about uh, these two victims.
3: Accusers. Would Accusers.
1: Be the Accusers is probably the, the best word that said uh, Michael Jackson had molested them as children uh, in the wake of that. Uh, you know, Michael Jackson's songs have been pulled off many radio stations, and also Fox pulled the Simpsons episode that featured Michael Jackson, and finally we got an answer why. Brad, what do we know?
4: Yes, uh, so as we heard uh, last week, the episode Stark Raving Dad, which was the third season premiere of The Simpsons back at the height of its popularity, uh, was pulled after um, some of the creative team on The Simpsons had seen Leaving Neverland and felt like they didn't want that episode to be out there anymore. Uh, and there was a statement that had gone along with it, but showrunner Al Jean was a little bit more specific and even offered a certain uh, perspective on what made them feel like that this episode shouldn't be out there anymore. And It wasn't something they wanted to support as being, you know, uh, part part of their their history, I guess. you know, obviously, it, it inevitably is, but they just didn't want it to be out there anymore, uh, maybe accomplishing what he thought it would. And uh, what Al Jean says, is the decision. uh, It wasn't something that makes me happy. It's something I agree with completely. What saddens me is if you watch the documentary, which I did, and several of us here did, and you watch that episode, honestly, it looks like the episode was used by Michael Jackson for something other than what we'd intended it. It wasn't just a comedy to him. It was something that was used as a tool, and I strongly believe that. And to be more specific, he goes on, I think it was part of what he used to groom boys. I really don't know, and I should be very careful because this is not something I know personally. But as far as what I think, that's what I think, and that makes me very, very sad. Um, so that's he, he's very careful to say that speculation on his part. There's no, you know, proof or evidence that it was something that Michael Jackson used to uh, groom boys to make him make them trust him, and so that he could, you know, do these things that he's accused of. But <clears throat> his perception, you know, it it, it makes sense because. If, you know, a sexual predator like that will do things to make sure that their victims, you know, trust them and appearing in one of the most popular cartoons at the time is something that would make him seem very likable and not so intimidating. Uh, you know, I mean, we're talking about a series here that they was used to sell Butterfingers back yeah. in the day simply yeah. because Bart Simpson was so popular. So it's it's not out of the realm of possibility that this is something uh, that Michael Jackson used to make himself appear, you know, more trustworthy.
1: You know, society has changed a lot. Like we used to like, I think, mock the accusers and now we're listening to them and um, believing them. Um, And uh, I don't know. I have not seen this documentary. Chris, I know you have, right? Uh, Yes, I have. Uh, so I haven't seen it yet. Um, I did follow a lot of this when it happened, like you know, with the the court case and the media reports at the time. And um, like, it's it's such a weird thing. Like, uh, should we be retroactively be erasing Michael Jackson from our lives based on, on on this documentary? Like, how how should we morally handle this documentary? I guess is what I'm asking.
3: Are you asking me or just the group?
1: I'll I'll ask you since uh, I think you're the only one who here who might've seen it. HG, have you seen it?
2: I haven't seen it yet. I know Chris reviewed it for the site. Yeah. Yeah. I,
3: I really don't. It's so tricky because, you know, it's so weird because, you know, Michael Jackson, he's dead now. Not that that excuses what he did or allegedly did. And it's, you know, it's, it's just so different because, you know, there's this thing where, uh, where people who are still making art or trying to make art and they've been, you know, found out or called out on their terrible actions. And that for some reason that feels different to me than someone who's died and you can't really hold them accountable anymore. Like I, like I said, that doesn't excuse anything. And it's like an, uh, a year thing, like a decade thing. Like, you know, if I, if I found out, someone from like an actor I love from like 30 or 40 years ago was a terrible person. It's harder to be like, well, I'm done with that because it happened so long ago and they're dead. And, yeah. but at the same time, you know, these, these accusations are so serious and so disturbing. And for a long time, people just sort of ignored it. Like I remember when I was a kid You know, I I liked Michael Jackson's music, but at the same time, it was just sort of like common knowledge that he was, quote unquote, you know, like a weirdo. And whether or not we all knew he was guilty, it just felt like society as a whole knew there was something wrong with him. And we all just sort of just went along with it. And I also feel like after he died, like there was this shift where it was like everyone stopped talking about these these allegations. And it just became like, oh, he died too soon. And what a great artist he was. So maybe you know, maybe I've come full circle here, and I'm saying like we sort of forgave him after he died. After he died, yeah. and we probably shouldn't have. And maybe it is time to take you know take stock of that. Is, is there? I, think, I was going to well, ask. I
4: think it, sorry, sorry, go ahead,
3: Pierre. I was going to. Is there also an
1: aspect that he's not alive to rebut any of these claims or to respond to these claims? I mean, not that he hadn't already responded to stuff like.
3: Yeah, but it's like that too. It's like because even if he were alive, he would just be saying, in theory, he'd be saying the same thing he said yeah. at the time, where you know they're they're in it for the money and so on. Yeah. What were you gonna say, Brad? I, 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 it's yeah.
4: It, that that definitely plays a big part of it because, and I think this is probably the the trickiest situation that we've had. You know, since you know, accusers have been listened to more, and people have been taking more. Active stances in action when it comes to holding uh, famous people, especially responsible for these, you know, heinous sexual crimes, allegations and things uh, that they've done, because Michael Jackson is easily the most famous person who has been accused of things like this and probably the most influential person that uh, has faced something like this. I mean. His his songs are everywhere in movies, television, all over the radio. He's he you know has influenced countless artists, um, and so it's it's hard to just flat out cut something like that out of culture in general. Like I know that <clears throat> ever since this you know documentary came out, everyone's been talking about it. When I hear a Michael Jackson song now, I kind of feel weird about it. Um, it doesn't stop me from liking the music or, or you know, like acknowledging that it's good, uh, you know, because his music had a big pl- uh, part of my life. You know, growing up, I, I had Michael Jackson cassettes and stuff like that. Um, but it's it's definitely something that is extremely hard to come to terms with. I'm I, I'm I for one personally, I'm not sure how to like I can't see myself suddenly not listening to Michael Jackson like or like, you know, having that staunch of a stance against it. But it does make me feel weird now and, and uncomfortable about it, um, you know. And like, and it was, it, it's, it's like that. It was like that after you know the Kevin Spacey stuff came out. I didn't really feel inclined to watch any movies with him in it. I, I have seen movies in him with it since since then. Uh, I, I watched Baby Driver again not too long ago, um, and there are movies that I really like that have him in it. But it's also, it's not the same anymore. And I think it's just, it's something that's really hard to come to terms with and figure out. I think it's really just up to every individual person as to what they need to do. But it's on the more public scale, it's hard because we can't go back and like erase these moments or pull them back. You know, like you can't go back to 13 going on 30 and change that entire sequence where they do the thriller dance just because Michael Jackson is an accused, you know, molester. Uh, So it's it's
1: it's really tough. But it's weird that it taints like these old. I, I do have a question to ask you guys. Like, you know, in my wardrobe consists of graphic uh, T-shirts mostly. And I own two graphic T-shirts that feature Michael Jackson. One it's for Captain Neo, the Disneyland, George Lucas uh, produced, Francis Ford Coppola directed 3D film. And one that it's him and E.T. Um, I have not worn these T-shirts this year at all um you know since i found out this documentary was going to be playing at sundance and i've been conflicted should i get rid of these t-shirts or like those are two like you know i love captain eo i love et and that image of him and et like is something that brings me with a nostalgic joy but i don't want to be supporting someone that Maybe did these things I mean, I guess maybe the question is why did I buy these before? Because, you know, I knew about the allegations before. Um H T, do you have any thoughts on this?
2: It's um it's a difficult situation <laughs> like Brad and Chris so eloquently put. Um, I don't have a clear answer either, just because I do think it does um differ from person to person and it is hard to especially take in stock like the influence and impact that Michael Jackson's legacy had on pop culture at large, and yeah, I think there is sort of a, a difference because he is dead, and that by supporting his works or still liking his works, we're not actively supporting him. But it's it's difficult to say, and I do think that like I, we should acknowledge and like use our knowledge of these allegations to sort of take into account how we view that legacy um there's actually not to uh to reference an snl um (laughs) anything but um pete davidson was actually on snl's um last last week i think and he spoke on about um sort of like all these allegations with r kelly and michael jackson and um he compared it to following the catholic church (laughs) Uh, and he said that basically you know people believe in these things and people enjoy these things, but you still have to acknowledge that, you know, these people were troubled and, um, victimized and hurt a lot of people. So whenever you listen to a Michael Jackson song, it's like, Oh, he harassed and assaulted all these young boys. Um, and that's kind of how you have to just kind of keep that in mind whenever it's like a very, it sounds like a very reductive way of saying it, but I feel like he had a a good point in that we can't erase what, they did and what they contributed to pop culture and to art but um we still have to keep in mind constantly like what they what they um who they hurt
4: yeah if you haven't seen that Pete Davidson bit from Weekend Update Saturday Night Live last week it's it's edgy and controversial and hilarious but very also poignant and has a very good perspective on it it's it's a, it's a smart piece by Pete Davidson
1: Okay, we will link that in the show notes. You know, we were also going to talk about this Avengers Endgame trailer that hit this morning, but we've gone way over time talking about this Michael Jackson thing. Uh but I think I think this is an important conversation to have. Um but you can find that trailer linked in the show notes and we'll also link Brad's trailer breakdown where he goes through frame by frame and tries to find some insight into the movie. Brad, what, what what do you think the biggest, most interesting insight you found in that trailer was?
4: Uh, easily the biggest insight is this trailer shows more than any other uh, piece of marketing we've seen so far that there is a significant time jump uh, somewhere in this movie. Um, there are two shots in particular that show the, a drastic change uh, in Black Widow's hairstyle. <clears throat> um, the, the sequence at the very end where Captain Marvel meets Thor – Black Widow can be seen standing nearby with her short blonde hair that we saw her have in Avengers Infinity War. But one of the shots where she's talking to Steve Rogers in Avengers Headquarters, her blonde hair has clearly grown out almost entirely, taken over by her original red hair again. So there's a significant passage of time here. And even the shot with Scott Lang, where it looks like he just got back from the Quantum Realm, he's looking around, there's all these missing posters on a street pole, Uh, and an abandoned house, Um, those missing posters have been there for a while. There's a lot of uh, weed growth on the house. So when he comes back, a significant amount of time has passed, maybe years uh, since the snap. And so when he meets the Avengers again, it's probably been a while since they've faced that defeat. So whatever that means for our heroes, for the fate of Thanos, uh, remains to be seen. But there's clearly a a gap in time here that will take place in this movie. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I, I think this is a brilliant piece of marketing from Disney. It, you, it it uses a lot of footage and clips from, you know, the last 10 years of the MCU. And then at the end, it leaves you with a button featuring Captain Marvel, which I think this is uh, so well-timed. You know, th- this is coming out on uh, a Thursday when Captain Marvel is going into her, what, second weekend um, and you know, basically it's kind of like, go see that movie. If you want to get excited for Endgame uh, it's just so brilliant, but, um, okay. And we got to cut it off here. Uh, you can find more of all the stories we've talked about in today's podcast, linked in the show notes and on slash com this podcast slash Home daily is published every weekday on iTunes, Google overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Please feel free to send us your feedback, questions, comments, concerns to us at Peter at slash com uh and uh please head on over to our itunes page tell your friends spread the word and we'll see
3: you tomorrow like you don't have to, like burn them or anything but just probably don't wear them in public for a while
2: <laughs> yeah I as marie would, like, kondo says does it spark joy
3: i, I think the et1 ET is especially creepy now it
1: is mm, yeah it sucks. It really sucks. <laughs> Not to make it about me, but
2: never worship anyone is the lesson of <sighs> this.
1: Now I gotta get T-shirts that don't have any pop culture things on them, or if they do, they're like animated.
3: <laughs> actually, fictional. Cool actually, yeah.
1: actually, even if they're animated, like you know the John Lasseter thing can can add a uh, you know a bad tinge to that. Mm-hmm. So I gotta, <laughs> I, I just gotta become Steve Jobs and just wear black You're... turtlenecks.
2: <laughs> yeah. I wonder if Disney is still selling those John Lasseter Hawaiian shirts. Because I remember when I was at Pixar, they were selling like a line of those. They probably aren't anymore.
1: Yeah, I would assume I, not. Yeah, I doubt
4: it. <laughs>